Well, good morning, Cornerstone. Um, glad you're able to, to join us this morning. I'll, I'll say what I've been saying every single time I feel like I've been on here. Um, I enjoy this time. I, I'm thankful for this time. But golly whiz, do I miss being together as a local church, at least in some form or fashion. And I'm looking forward to when God provides that. Um, we're going to be talking about some things. Just want to remind you in the comments section, whether you're on the website or you're on Facebook, please ask questions, uh, throw different things like prayer requests on there. Um, if you don't like comments, then there's a way to actually scroll to get rid of them. You can just get rid of them. But for the rest of you, uh, we want to see questions that, that you may have because I think it's very important to where we're going. And so let me, let me just kind of, let's, let's kick us off in what's going to be happening today. I think there's one thing that I've noticed for so many followers of Jesus. I've even, I have battled with this, and I, and I know maybe you have too, is just this idea of hope. Now, the beauty of Romans 8 is it really does clarify and brings in this reality of hope in a, in a very special passage of Scripture in Romans 8, 18 through 25. Now, in this passage, it's kind of one that people tend to look over. Uh, many times we're, we're looking for our particular understanding of how I get saved, you know, maybe justification. So however, we're kind of trying to understand that. We kind of look at this and we quickly go by it. Or maybe, we, maybe we've had an experience with the Holy Spirit that we're trying to explain and how oh, this seems to fit it. Or maybe even you're one of those real scholarly types that wants to think about election or one of those things. So you just kind of breeze by this passage. But I think this passage, when it comes to good news, is so important. This passage reminds me of a time I went backpacking with a group of people. It was one of my favorite places to go into the Wind River Range in Wyoming. And I had backpacked many times past this little point called Photographer's Point because in my world, stopping to look at things is stupid. Like when I take my kids on vacation, it's getting from point A to point B. You will shut up, you will sit down, and the only time we're going to stop is to get gas or if you have to go to the bathroom, maybe. But in this process, the whole point is to get to the end. And I feel like sometimes when we read the book of Romans, we quickly just push through whatever we're trying to see, and we miss what I think is the photographer's point of Romans 8. Paul stops there, and I'm going to have Christian read it for us, because I want you to hear this so that you can kind of hear why I think this, this photographer's point in just a second, and I'll finish my story. But Christian, could you, could you just read this for us just real quickly? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to read this out of the Net Bible translation, which is a little different from what we normally preach out of, but listen along, if you will. For I consider that our present sufferings cannot even be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation eagerly waits for the revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of God who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers together until now. Not only this, but we ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not yet see, we eagerly wait for it with endurance. Wow. And so this passage, what's so great about it is this. Let me kind of, kind of frame it for you a little bit. So when I stopped at Photographer's Point, finally for the first time, I had a group of people and I took them out there and we were pushing through kind of all the shrubbery and different trees to get there. When you emerged out of that, you came and it was probably one of the most amazing vistas I'd ever seen. 
Sure, we, didn't, we weren't at our final destination of climbing to the top again at peak, but we got this vista of understanding where we were going to go, how we were going to get there. And I was pointing out the Titcom Basin, and I was pointing out over this hill where Gannett Peak was going to be. And to be honest, I was kicking myself, even calling myself, I think, names at that moment that I had never stopped before and taken a look at this vista. Now, I think what Paul's doing here in this passage that we're going to look at today is he's talked about our past. He's, he's even talked in some ways and alluded to our future. But in this case, he's going to take us out to kind of this photographer's point of Romans 8. And he's about ready to show us the landscape of where we're going. Mm. Now, it's difficult for us, I think, because sometimes we think of where we're going as I'm escaping hell or, or maybe I'm, I'm going to stand right before, one God, before God one day, which is totally true. In fact, when, this morning when I was listening to, to the way Christy laid out the gospel, it was so good. She just told us good news about that, being right with God. He's dealing with sin and death. But I love the fact she didn't stop there. She kept going because there's more to this good news than just the fact that we're going to escape hell or stand right before God. She talked about the Holy Spirit and where, where it is that our home is one day. In other words, she, she filled it out, but I loved how she ended. She reminded us that this whole story, when you put it together, the good news truly is about a king and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's what Paul's doing here. Is he's stepping out of this vista for just a moment, reminding us where we're going. Now, what Christian and I are going to do here for just a little bit is we're gonna have a discussion about where Paul says all of this is headed. Now, I think this is unique in that I think sometimes we think where we're headed to is this kind of thing we call heaven. We're not sure what it is. We know God's there. Yeah. So we're thankful to want to be there. Um, we, we're thankful that we go there, not the other place, in so many different ways. But Paul gives us some clues here that I think that are really important that it is greater than any suffering we might have in this world, he yeah. says in verse 18. As he starts to go on to verse 19, he, he talks about an earth longing for that time, right? In fact, the word that he uses is this idea of almost, one guy put it in the Phillips Bible, he said, standing on the tiptoes, creation is trying to see what it's going to look yeah, like one day. Trying to peek over the, to see what's coming. Yeah, yeah over yeah. that horizon of what we're coming to. And even we're told that we're kind of trying to peek into that reality of yeah. what it's going to be like. But the way Paul describes it, and this is why I love it when we talk about this idea of hope, it's not this disembodied state, it's not this weird thing of sitting on a cloud playing a harp. He has an idea with it that has to do with the fact that we as people were designed to be reigners and rulers with the God of the universe, ruling over an earth that wants us to rule over it, yeah. but yet because of sin, and I, I love how Paul puts this, it, even creation was subjected it was, it was brought into the curse along with humanity. But yeah, maybe do you have a couple of thoughts on that just as we're kind of starting to kick off this discussion? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's so cool. I mean, I think about the first couple of weeks as we were doing this kind of live stream service and, we, and you notice we kept coming back to the stories in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 about God's intention in creation of making us from the very beginning and not just of making us, but making all the world. And we see this amazing idea that that. God created us in his image for the purpose of ruling over the works of his hands. Mm -hmm. uh, Psalm 8 brings that out so powerfully where, where David even says, he says, I look at the heavens and I think, what are we in comparison to that? But he says, you've crowned humans with glory and honor and put all things under our feet so that we might rule over your creation. Mm -hmm. 
This isn't something that we aspire to in a, in a prideful way or in a we just want to be bigger and stronger than everybody else. We're the top of the food chain. This is a graciously, gloriously given reality that God intended the universe, intended this world, is a better way to say it, to be ruled by those he made in his image. But that makes such a big deal because when those that God made in his image, when men and women, when Adam and Eve rebel against him, because they're the rulers over creation, their sin doesn't just affect us. It doesn't just affect our standing with God. It affects the entire creation that we were created to yeah. rule over too. You know? Yeah, and that's incredible, isn't it? I mean, God took and put all things that Adam was to rule over now under the curse, right? Mm. You see that like in, in uh, Genesis 3, where yeah. not only is Adam and Eve under the curse or even the serpent under the curse, but he then includes in the entire earth now in the curse. And, and I, the way I always see it is that it's warped in some way, just begging to bounce back into that position yeah. that it used to be. But again, I think sometimes we, we can miss the fact that it wants to be back into. And I think when it says he's, it's longing for the revealing of the sons of God. It's longing for that moment where, where we as, as followers of Jesus truly become these ones who are the reigners alongside of Jesus under the good rule of God, finally assume our position yeah. in, in what God has designed us to be and into this world. And I, and I think sometimes when we think about good news, if you're anything, and we talked about this, you and I felt this way, and even my wife and I talked about this. Yeah. Very rarely do we see ourselves in that way where we're going. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's funny. I think Jonathan Edwards was one of the guys who talked about the reality. One of the things that sin does to our hearts is it makes our desires and our view of the world really small, mm -hmm. so very self-oriented, so very directed to ourselves which means that for the majority of us, when we first encounter the gospel, when we first encounter this good news of Jesus, we encounter it through that lens of what does this have to do with me? How does this fix me and the problems in my life? And it's not less than that. Absolutely, the gospel Amen. is a message of personal salvation. Like we were talking about this, this morning and I got choked up. I don't think ever in my life, I've grown up in the church, I don't know if I've ever been able to sing that, line, that verse of it is well with my soul that says my sin, oh, the, oh I can't even do it now. Oh, the bliss of this thought that my sin, not just part of it, but the whole was nailed to the cross and I don't bear it anymore. I will never, ever, forever stop thanking God for that reality. Amen. But from that moment of grasping that personal gospel message, as, as, a, as a child even for me, the, my walk with the Lord is going, this, this gospel is about much more than just what it does for me personally. It's gigantic. Yeah, it's know? not less than that. Yeah. Again, like we, I, if you're listening out there, that gospel that I heard, that you heard, Christian heard, I mean, my wife and I were talking about, she heard, Billy and I were talking this morning. It's not less than that. I think what we're trying to get across is, is that at this time during a pandemic, mm -hmm. we have to see it in its bigger, broader context. And this is what I mean. I just love how Paul, again, as he's kind of working through the difficulties, the flesh and the spirit, and again, all the past wonderful realities of being included into the second Adam from, from, yeah. from Romans 5. I just love for a second, he takes us out onto this point, like he, I did with Photographer's Point, and yeah. he just goes, look at the vista. This is where you're going. Yeah. This is the realm that you're going to. Now again, I didn't hear that growing up much. I, I heard about a heaven, which I'm thankful for, and I heard about a, not, not going to a hell, and you know, I heard heaven was gonna be awesome, but I'll be honest with you, whenever they talked about heaven, and it didn't come across as appealing to me, because it was like, we're gonna be in a never-ending non-stop worship service, and anyone that knows me is like, oh gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't wanna sing forever. Sorry, Billy, he's out there, I love you. It doesn't devalue who you are as a person, Billy. Um, <laughs> 
But just the thought of that is crazy, or the thought of just sitting around doing nothing forever, but yeah. yet God has such a grand, it's a tangible plan, it's yeah. real, it's physical. Yeah. Um, this earth matters because this earth is the same earth that will be in an essence resurrected in the future. Absolutely. That we have a direction that we're going, but we can lose sight of it yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah, but I think what's so cool in this passage that we're reading is Paul kind of like, he anthropomorphizes creation. <laughs> That's I know, right. a big word. Basically, it just means he, he attributes to creation human emotions, where he says that creation, the created world itself, is longing for this freedom from the bondage to decay. But even more specifically, he talks about the creation is longing for the sons of God to be revealed. Can yeah. you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. That's probably one of the things that hit me the most, is that when we were talking about this, I think all the time, I, I, I did think about the idea of, us one day being in creation, being in this place that God has intended us to be, creation being as God intended to be, but I never thought of this reality that creation is longing for us to be in our position that we were again. Yeah. That in an interesting way now, and again, I think the, the, the thing that this coronavirus has done to us, and again, no matter your view that you might have of what's going on right now, it's reminded us the current state of, of the way that, that the earth operates, whether we're talking earthquakes or volcanoes or even the smallest things like a virus, all of those things were designed to work for us and with us yeah. and under us, and yeah. now they're working the exact opposite. Yeah. And, and all of creation in an interesting way, the way that he anthropomorphizes it, now that we're going to use big, giant <laughs> big words, words, I love that, <laughs> has to do with this reality, though, that when we look forward... We are looking forward to the time and the age where finally we will be in that intended reality that God has made for us. I think everybody longs for it. They don't even know it. Yeah. I think when, the, when, when Solomon wrote this in Ecclesiastes of, of eternity being your heart, I think it was much more than a time frame. Yeah. I think he was, he was saying that every one of us knows this earth isn't right. There's something not there. And Paul, again, has to thrust us out onto that peak and say, there's something that's coming here. Yeah. That when now Jesus Christ presents us before 1 Corinthians 15, the Father, all of us that are his, there's something amazing in which now, and I don't think just humans, but I think stars are gonna cry out. I think all of, all of creation is gonna, along with the trees, clap their hands Amen. maybe in some way, right? Yeah. Finally, everything is as it's intended to be. Absolutely. I think that's such a beautiful reality. But I think if your experience is anything like what we've been talking about, this, this may not have been the... What, what led you down the aisle or led you to throw your stick in the campfire? At the moment when you came to Jesus, um, this may or may not have been in your view, this grand photographer's point vista of the renewal of all creation um, and, and human, humanity and our role to rule over it. So what we'd love to do is give you a little chance to talk right now and maybe ask you that question. I love what Paul says in verse 24. He says, it's in this hope that we were saved. We were saved to the hope of this grand renewal of all things. And the question I'd love for you to talk about and just think about on, on your own right now is, is that the hope in which you were saved? Or maybe even think back to when you first became a follower of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, what were you hoping in Jesus for? What was that good news at first you first latched onto? And then how perhaps does your hope need to grow? Your view of the gospel need to expand in light of what we're looking at right now. So we're going to give you the next five or seven minutes to, to take some time to discuss that together and talk about that, and we'll, we'll pick it back up. Enjoy.
welcome back with us. As, as always, when we do these discussion times, it's not enough time to finish a discussion. It's really just time to start it. And hopefully even after we're done, you can continue these conversations with your family or those that you're, you're watching this with. Um, in that last question, asking you, how does your view of the gospel need to expand and grow? I think for all of us, we can, we can confidently say it does need to grow. Whatever was that on-ramp for you, whatever was that initial hope that you clinged to Jesus for, there's more. There's more that he wants to do both in your life and in our world to make things right, to bring everything back to his intention. That's why we're, we're called to be lifelong learners, lifelong disciples, to see more and more of the hope that we have in Jesus, not just for the future, but the hope that's spurred by what the Spirit is already doing. We've been talking about that the last few weeks. How much here in Romans 8, it talks about, not, uh, about what the Spirit is currently doing in our lives. But this idea of hope, I love what he says in verse 24, where he says, we were saved to this hope that all of creation and humanity would be renewed to our purpose. Now, hope is, that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Or again, we eagerly wait for it with endurance. That's the idea that I talked about in the devotional on Friday that, that Chris Hay talked about when he prayed with us yesterday morning. These, these dual characteristics that, that shape our lives of patience as we long for what God is yet to do and endurance as we press on to join him in that. The reality of hope is that, that our lives are always shaped by hope in some way. We, we all live with some vision of, of the good life or the future or the way that things ought to be. And rather than just being something ethereal out there that we just dream about, that vision of the future shapes the way that we live in the present, whether for good or bad. So what we're gonna do in this next part, Todd, if you would, just maybe walk through us the, the, the difference between what it looks like to live in the hope of Jesus, the hope of the gospel versus... Um, yeah regular hope. Yeah, I think the way that I try to look at this is, is we'll go back to tension maybe just yeah. for a second to kind of look at this, <clears throat> is that there's two cycles we can go into, I think, that Paul's laying out here. And so our vision, our, again, our growing understanding of where the future lies is so important to not only our understanding of the past, but our understanding even of the present. Yeah. And so if we were to look at it this way, there's, there's this tension that all of us, I don't care who we are, believer, unbeliever, we all experience this tension. And yeah. like you said, in some way, we all have an understanding of the good life. Yeah. There's some type of good as we look out there that's happening. But what's so interesting, I think, when we, look about the, when we think about this good, is that it always has to do with, one, there's a kind of a good thing in the future that we have that we can kind of put up there that we're longing for, and I think this is what Paul does in Romans 8, 18 through 25. Yeah, he shows us that future. <clears throat> but long then for this. Yeah. we have to also ask the question, do I have confidence in it? Mm. Like, is there something there? Now, now, just think about what's going on here, and if you're listening to this, this is what's so cool about what Paul does in Romans 8. He not only tells us the good future, that's why I don't think we should just read past Romans 8, 18 through 25. We have to know where we're going. If yeah. you do not know in a growing, in a greater way where we're going, it's going to affect your present. Absolutely. But second of all, the rest of Romans 8 dealing with the past, the present, and the future is giving you that confidence. Yeah. It's the confidence that there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. All the way to Romans 8, 39, neither height nor depth nor any other created thing will ever be able to separate you from the love of God. Yeah. That hope that does not have confidence is not hope. Yeah. 
Now, the problem that I think we run into is when we get to be here, especially when Paul, he talks about just this reality that, that he's throwing in there about the idea of suffering. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like right now when we see suffering, one of the things we do if we're not careful is we think about it through the eyes of flesh. So this flesh could be like from the standpoint of a fear of the virus, which again, is viruses, are they real? Yeah, should we be careful? Should we honor our government? Should we love others in this? Of course, but we don't have to fear a virus. Mm-hmm. But then there's the other side of the spectrum of people fearing the economy or fearing government overreach because in this circle is really the concept we find our security or our confidence in our insecurity. We find it in safety. We find it in stability. We find it in all these wrong places besides finding it in who God is. Yeah, yeah. Well, the downside of that then is if I follow that through, Paul connects this into this reality that by the time I get here, I'm not pleasing God in any kind of a way. And when I'm not pleasing God, I'm not living for him. And the only outcome he says of this is this reality of death that he talks about. Yeah, you kind of see that like back in uh, verses 12 and 13, this idea of this obligation we have to live toward the spirit. Because if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if, you, if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. 100%. And in this, it's, I think it's just a replay of everything he's been talking about from Romans 1. Yeah. Is that this is the way humanity tends to live. And I would just say at the end of it, this is what happens to us. We become hopeless. This is the outcome of this. And it just becomes this cycle that just goes and goes and goes because at this moment we hit tension again, we think somehow government will save us. We think we even ourselves will save us. We think the economy will save us. Doctors will save us. Scientists will save us. Mm -hmm. We put our hope in that. And again, there's nothing wrong with governments or doctors. It's just that's where we place our wrong hope. And it just starts this cycle all over again, and we just see a sense of hopelessness. Yeah, definitely. In the end, it doesn't resolve the tension. It doesn't fix anything. And it's more a a series of disappointed hopes. Yeah. It's like, okay, maybe this will do it. Maybe, maybe the next election cycle will do it. Yeah. Siri. Siri. Hi, Siri. Nice to talk to you. Maybe this next legislation will do it. Maybe yeah. the next vaccine, maybe the next scientific breakthrough will do it. And again, government is, is, is a good thing given to us by yeah. God. We want them to make wise legislation. And scientists and doctors, yeah. and they're wonderful. Yeah. But they can't bear the weight of being the ultimate hope. Yeah. I think the one thing, again, my background in science, the one thing that is so hard, I think, for people to realize that haven't been in science is science does not have answers for everything. Hmm. They have data, and they've got ways of observing science but that does not mean they're fallible, they're, nor that they have the solutions to everything. Yeah. So that's a contrast. And again, this, I see it so often, not only in my life, other people's lives. We just enter now this, this constant, and it's just a vortex that just sucks us down. In fact, if I could turn it like this, yeah. it just sucks us into this place of hopelessness. And this is where Paul, I think, is just, he's, he's encompassing it, and just, it leads to just death. Yeah, there, I think in the Proverbs where it talks about there is a way that seems right to a man. Yeah. This is the way we should go. And in the end, it leads to death. Yeah. And I think all of Proverbs is a story of the decline where we are naive, then we become the mocker, right? Mm-hmm. And then finally the prideful. It's just this never-ending spiral down. But what's so great about this, again, Paul says there is a good thing in the future that we can place our heart on. There's a reality where this entire story is going that I can learn on one level to release my grip on this world, but Mm -hmm. not leave this world, be in the world, but not of the world in a really powerful way. And in this now, I can, when suffering hits now, 
I can suffer in the spirit. And maybe just to throw us back for a second to Romans 5 is that now in this, instead of now disregarding God, I start to see God's purpose and plan in suffering. I think that's what Paul's talking about. Your suffering has purpose now. It has intent. It's the the reality of a 2 Corinthians 5 that this this momentary light of affliction is doing what? Well, it's it's ever increasing the eternal weight of glory. Like It's not for anything, but I think Paul even adds to that more. He adds this idea that in this, our, our suffering, it produces endurance, which you just read about in that yeah. last verse, in verse 25. Our, it not only has endurance, but then it builds character, which Paul not only talks about here, but then in Romans 8, he says we be conformed to the image of this, his son. Yeah. Right now, all of a sudden, when we start looking this way, the outcome of this, Paul says now, is things like life and things like peace now, regardless of our circumstances, because we are still in tension, yeah. tension doesn't change, but our perspective and everything starts to shift. And I would say this, this is where hope starts to develop. Why? Well, because in it, we start to see Christ formed in us and it reminds us, oh yeah, I am one of his. Yeah. We, we now in that moment, we're reminded that I'm a child of God. We're reminded that our faith is real. We're reminded of, of so many different wonderful realities of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And it only increases this thing called hope. Yeah. That's why I think like in all of our clinging to the different aspects that maybe when we had it up here of government, of science, of solutions, of even our own intellect, our own wit, our own reality, it's always going to lead to death, but this is a whole different reality. This is a different cycle. Yeah, because it doesn't, it doesn't lead us as Christians to disengage from government, to least. disengage from our community, to, get to, to even disengage in, in science and exploration and looking for cures to diseases. Those are things we ought to do, but it does disengage our hope from those things, yeah. right? It's like I, we were talking about this week, and let's see if this makes sense. It's almost this idea of what the gospel does is it detaches our hope from the things of this world but it doesn't detach this world from our hope. It actually gives us hope for the world, that as our hope is located in Jesus Christ and in the future glorious kingdom that he's coming, the renewal of us and creation, we can deal in the tension. We don't have to try to hope that we're gonna make it perfect by Friday afternoon. No, I can just seek to be faithful because I have confidence in something that actually is trustworthy. Because we've got our eyes focused on the true good. Yeah. Right, uh, the true good is, 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 again, do I want us economically to recover? Of course Absolutely. I do. Do I want to see a cure for the virus? Right, of Absolutely. course, right, all those things. So I don't want people to think somehow I, I don't see those things. But that is not our true good. Mm-hmm. The true good is the day when King Jesus is finally ascended to his rightful reign and rule on the throne in front of all creation where we're presented with him and then we enter into the good reign and rule of Jesus forever. Therefore, I don't have to disregard this earth. I don't have to pretend like this is just kind of a parenthesis until Jesus returns. Yeah. No, these things matter right now. In fact, I would say this. The more that you, we do what you talked about, of I, the idea of our hope not being in this world, but that doesn't, that doesn't negate the reality, right, of our mm-hmm. hope being there is it starts actually, I think, to cause me to see this world more accurately, yeah. more of what God wants it to be. And we our know, role in the world. And right? our world, totally. Yeah. And now it's not just, eh, we're biding our time until Jesus comes back to be good and say a message so that people don't go to hell. No, this is so much bigger. And this is what I think I, I long for for all of you in this time period in the midst of a crisis 
We don't have to be hopeless. Mm -hmm. We don't have to rest on whether the economy recovers or not or whether we find a vaccine, whether we live or die in this time. We have the true hope. And I think more than anything, what our world is so wanting to see is they're wanting to see Christ formed in us. Mm -hmm. They're wanting to see us put on the Lord Jesus Christ and in putting on the Lord Jesus Christ to give them an image, even in the midst of suffering and difficulty and heartache, not of angry Christians, you know, trying to combatively kick us back out into the workforce or scared Christians trying to somehow hide away from this invisible force that could kill us. Instead, these groups of people that have so bought into the vision, the vista that Paul presents of where we're going and being the people of God finally ascending to that rightful place, that in it we have a confidence, we have a security, we have a hope that is contagious. And so if you're someone that's out there, I just wanna say something, maybe if you don't know Jesus Christ. As we talk about this, I want you to see that, this, that God's not done with this world yet at all. And I would even say this, he's not done with you. The good news of Paul is that Jesus Christ truly is who he said he was. He is King of kings and he is Lord of lords. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, he truly has ascended to the, the rightful reigning, ruling position that he has over this entire world. And he's calling us, all of us, to bend our knee rightfully to him, to come to him by faith, and to realize that all the good that this world and its system has to offer is just merely mud puddles, as C.S. Lewis talked about it, in comparison to the ocean that he's offering us. And so today, if you wanna follow Jesus, we'd love for you to bend your knee to King mm -hmm. Jesus. For the rest of us that do know Jesus, I hope, and I say this in the true sense of the word, that you've found hope today. Amen. I hope that this week we live not as angry or scared or trying to fight for something that we may never attain. Instead, I pray that you remember who you are. You're not just anybody. You are sons and daughters of the King. He loves you, he adores you, and nothing can separate that love from you. Amen. And so in the name of the Father who adores you, in the name of the Son who loves you to the fullest extent, and in the name of the Spirit who has poured love into us, may God bless you this week in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.